travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Hotels can make or break a trip. Sometimes they bring you closer to a destination. Sometimes they elevate your experience and other times they are the destination themselves. Trevor and I have been lucky enough to stay at a lot of interesting and memorable properties across Asia over the years, and today we're going to share some of those experiences with you. From high-end to charming and local, there's a wide range of winners here you're sure to want to make part of your next trip to the region. In Bangkok, Thailand, I'm Scott Coates, and with me is... Hey, Scott. Trevor Ranges in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. Um, you threw this episode idea out there and I thought, hey, that's a great idea because all I need to do is use my memory. So I thought of a bunch of hotels that I thought would be memorable just by remembering them. And I automatically knew I would forget some and that we would end up doing like a second or third iteration of this. This will become like a series, I think. I think it could be. Yeah. And this was one that came about pretty easily. And literally my list, and I think yours was literally from sitting and just thinking and all the ones that popped to my head for various reasons, the soonest, the quickest. And that's how I ended up with my lists. And it's took me on a fun little trip down travel memory lane. Yeah. You know, again, I kind of did it by thought of a, a, an amazing hotel experience memory and then sort of riffed on that and, and did like a bunch of beach hotels. And then I went for a bunch of different like jungle hotels and sort of stuck to that theme. But uh, yeah, you and I have had quite a lot of hotel experience, I think more than the average person, just because, you know, we had to visit hotels professionally or travel professionally and stay in lots of places. So, you know, sometimes the the bad hotels are the more memorable ones, but I tried to shy away from them this time around. That's a good point that I never thought about is some of the memorable hotels are bad ones. And I can think mm. of a few, but uh, yeah, that's quite funny. And it's interesting that you thought of them as different types of hotels, like jungle, beach, city, I didn't do that at all, but when I saw that you had put that in the notes, then I just looked through my list and they all fit into those various categories. So it's kind of interesting that you took that approach consciously and I did not at all, but we ended up with ones that fit very well on the list. Yeah. So before we get into that, I want to remind everybody that Scott and I do this as a passion and a hobby and to stay in touch with each other and share our travel knowledge and we finance it ourselves and with the help of our patrons. So we want to give a shout out to our patrons whom we recently shared a special patron only episode about a trip that I did to Camp Hot recently for the beer festival. Mm. And Scott shared a video of cycling Bangkok's back lanes and canals recently. So I Again, mm -hmm. actually enjoy some of the Patreon-only episodes better than our normal episodes, just because it's a little bit more off the cuff. But uh, yeah, we support all of our patrons by hooking them up because they help us out. So uh, thanks for your donations. Indeed. Thank you, everyone. So Trevor, what's kind of your base criteria when you're thinking of an acceptable hotel? You know, it's funny because again, as doing this as a professional, right? Like my criteria were simply clean bedding, relative quiet, and uh, a good breakfast, or at least access to a good breakfast, you know, if you're not in a remote area. So I think memorable for me means 
something that it really stands out because, you know, I have been in so many hotels and I'm sure I'm forgetting some memorable ones, but like there's certain things that like you'll never forget, you know, and sometimes that can just be a breakfast and sometimes it, it is like a bad experience, like you said before, but I'm going to shy away from those. So, so what do you think? What are your criteria for at least good what, or, or what makes things memorable? Well, acceptable and memorable. Acceptable, I'm with you. It needs to be clean and it doesn't need to be luxurious. It can be really simple, but you know, there's not cobwebs up in corners and there's not huge dust bunnies on top of counters and stuff. Staff that care, you know, friendly people that you can tell take a little pride in their place. They do that little something extra that adds a little bit of value. And I have a whole bunch of ones I thought of that I'll share at the end of the episode. Sure, um, a, a bit of care, that. someone that makes good coffee. I think there's very little excuse for bad coffee. And if you're in the mountains, okay, maybe you get a pass, but a lot of places, I mean, it's not hard to make a decent coffee these days. So that's a big one. And memorable, yeah, kind of neat locale, place that accentuates or lends itself to the locale you're in. And uh, yeah, hopefully friendly people as well, which I already said. So I see that you have beach here. Uh, can you share one of your memorable beach hotels, Trevor? Yeah, you know, it's funny because when I thought of like memorable hotels, most of mine tend to be like beach hotels because that's something that I love. And uh, for me, memorable tends to be like being able to swim or go in the water very easily. So like a beachfront room is often like the best one. Um, but it doesn't necessarily need to be beachfront as long as like it's got really good beaches or beach access. I like to swim at night. I love like bioluminescence and skinny dipping and full moons and all that hedonistic fun. Otherwise, the best ever beach hotel where I didn't get beachfront was the Soneva Kiri on Kok Good mm -hmm. in Thailand, um, which was just all around like one of the best hotel experiences I've ever had, beach or otherwise, just from them offering to have me come and stay and then flying me out on they have a private aircraft and a private airstrip on an island next to Kalkud. And then they pick you up in this great vintage speedboat and drive you to the island. And there they take your shoes away. And you're not supposed to wear shoes when you're at the resort the entire time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is perfect for me because, like, I prefer not to, you know? So I kind of fit right in. But from there, I mean, it's just like unbelievable. You mentioned like being able to make a good cup of coffee. They make their own chocolate and they have like a chocolate room that's like this wonderfully right. air. Huh? It's air conditioned, the room, right? So you're barefoot and the mm. ground's a little bit cold, but then there's just like every possible chocolate you can imagine and you could just eat whatever you want and then step outside and they make their own ice cream. And then you get an ice cream and like a waffle cone and you walk back to your buggy. So I know you've stayed there and I think you're going to comment on it afterwards, but I'm going to mention a couple more things that just really stood out. One, like you said, was the service um, and, and like the little things. So like this resort is it's quite expansive and you get your own little golf cart style buggy to drive around the resort. There's lots of hills and whatnot mm -hmm. and everything's like private villas. I was having dinner with the general manager and I was maybe a little late. So I had to like get back to my bungalow and, and shower and change and get to dinner. And as I arrived at the villa, I, I pulled my buggy in head first. And as I was going down the stairs, the woman who had turned down my room was passing me the other, the other way. And when I got back to my buggy, she had turned it around for me so that when I left, it was already facing out and I didn't have to turn it around myself. And oh. I was so impressed by like that little gesture that I mentioned it to the GM. And I said that, you know, like to me, that spoke of his 
ability to lead these people and to, for them to have trust in this kind of service mind and and came up with this idea for tourism for hotels like movie directors leave like a, a a fingerprint on a film that like general managers oh, at a yeah. certain level can like create a hotel experience that like if another gm was in charge of that hotel it might still be an amazing experience but it would be different like the, the service is like that kind of i don't know ingrained in the entire experience and i can't remember that guy's name but kudos and that's Sonova curie that place is right on yeah, I had a chance to stay there towards the end of my luxury travel company owner stay. And yeah, I mean, everything you said is true. It was exquisite, really cool on all fronts. And I do remember that chocolate room. I'll stick to the super high-end range and beach here. And I also got to stay at a place called Songsa, which are two little islands off the coast of Khot Rong in Cambodia. That's kind of the really tropical island area of southwestern Cambodia. It's probably got about 15 to 20 bungalows. At that time, there were over a 1,000 a night. I think they're 1,500 or 2,000. But you have an absolutely incredible villa kitted out with everything, a private pool. And that was just super luxe as well, along the same lines as Sonavakiri, but on a smaller scale. And people were super friendly. And I thought it was really neat. They said, if you'd like any drinks, just let us know. Call down to the, the front room. And... I said, hey, I'd love some Jack Daniels. And they just brought a whole bottle of Jack Daniels because I guess when you're paying that much for a hotel room, cost of some Jack Daniels isn't that much. But bringing me a whole bottle of Jack Daniels is pretty neat. They also had you know, a trip to a nearby village on Kotrong itself, the island, uh, to meet locals, which I didn't do. But I thought, okay, they're making an effort to give you that local connection. Mm -hmm. GM and other key staff came to say hi, had a little chat, nice meals, good balance between personal service and personal space. So it was just so high end and way up there from your private speedboat out to the island and kayaked around there a bit that it's one of those places I'd probably never spend that money myself, but it was pretty damn fine and exquisite. Yeah. And, and, you know, some places just are like the wow factor for the location and the beauty. Cause the Songsa is like the on overwater, overwater villas, you know, so that really incorporates the, the ocean and they have a glass floor and part of the living room so you can see like a fish living underneath your bungalow and whatnot you know my next property um i don't know that it qualifies as like a hotel exactly but maybe that's why it's interesting as well just for like i think it's such an amazing concept mm -hmm. and it's been one of my favorite places to stay in the world i think um and that's the riley beach club in riley beach in krabi in southern thailand yeah, I was going to say, tell us about that, because it's a really different concept, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it's uh, a bunch of houses on Riley Beach, which is one of the, I guess it's one of the most famous tourist destinations in Thailand for for beach destinations. I mean, Scott, you you were married down there, and, uh, and you love the area, I know. Yeah, absolutely. Going back to the 80s, I think, a bunch of people started building homes there um, that they designed themselves and i don't know when they began to rent them out as like uh you know vacation rentals i guess um but they built like a a, a reception area and where they you could get kayaks and whatnot and people would rent out their houses when they weren't there in thailand because not everyone who was part of the Riley Beach Club were full year residents, you know? So I don't remember, I, I moved to Thailand in 2001 and I discovered it shortly thereafter. And, and I traveled there. I used to go down to, to Krabi almost every year, sometimes several times a year if I could. 
And and so there's all these different houses and some of them have like five bedrooms and can sleep like 10, 12 people. Um, and some of them are small and, and like a bird's nest or a tree house or the, the, the monkey house. Like they're really individually designed um, to be these kind of jungle houses in, in Krabi, Riley Beach, which is one of the most spectacular places because of these big cliffs that surround it and the rock climbing that's there. The Riley Beach Club was amazing. And uh, they at one point built these little uh, clubhouse rooms. So this couple was running the the reception and they built a little sunset bar for the people who were staying in the houses. And then they built two little studio rooms there. So you could just stay in one of those studio rooms for like 30 bucks a night, which was one of like the best hmm. kept secrets uh, back in the day. I don't think you can get those rooms anymore, but you should, if you're listening, I'd, I'd contact the Riley beach club and stay in one of those little rooms there. Cause Riley beach is spectacular and it's quite a popular tourist destination, but this is like a private property and it's the, the nicest part of the beach really. And um, it's an amazing place to stay. I almost stayed there a year and a half ago when we went down that way. It was just a bit more expensive than I wanted. And I think I wanted a bit more of the hotel service, but it really did look neat. You have little kitchenettes in them, I believe. So you got to kind of go out for food or take care of yourself a wee bit more. But it looked really intriguing. They do cooking classes. And so they'll go to town and buy all the ingredients to make like dinner for if there's two or four or eight of you. And then they do a cooking class where they, they cook a whole bunch of food and then they stash it as leftovers in your fridge. So the next day or two, you have like food to, that you can eat still. That's pretty slick. Well, I'm going a lot simpler than my first one. That's for sure. This is probably the most simple one on the list almost. This place was called Green Beach Hut on Koh Phayam, and Koh Phayam is on Thailand's west coast, uh, about 60% of the way from Bangkok to Phuket down. And it's not a very developed island, and I'd heard about it from a guy named Ian Taylor, who was on like one of the first episodes, first 10, about kayaking down Thailand's southwest. He told me about it, told me it was run by this uh, Thai guy and his wife, and we went over Songkran for, I believe, a week, about two or three years ago. Very simple A-frame bungalow with just a fan, just cold water shower, you know, one simple sheet. It was simple, but it was clean and it was the room closest to the beach. There was sand right out front of the place. And I mean, the beach was right there. But on the little simple balcony, there was a wooden chair and there was a hammock, which was cool. I laid in the hammock a lot and realized, you know, like after dinner, laying in a hammock's quite nice or early in the morning, uh, the hammock was great. They also had these square hanging wooden platforms. So they built squares that were maybe a meter and a half or two meters wide on each side. Okay. And they were just yeah, suspended yeah, 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 yeah. by a rope at each corner, hanging out of trees. From like and a big pillows tree, yeah. and a little, Yeah, and pillows and a little short table. And they had about three of those. So you would just like lay on one and read books for hours and order shakes. But the other thing that really made it good too is his wife did the cooking at this small little you know, it's not a resort as you think of a resort. And she made good food. And it was the kind of place where we had three or three days worth of meals before we went anywhere else. We just, we were comfy. It's a nice setting. Food was really good. And we just kept eating there. And he had a good little selection of beer. He had beer laudam right on a five kilometer long flat beach that was awesome for runs and walks. And yeah, so it was just super charming, like very simple. And even at Songkran in April in the hot season, it was fine with just a fan. But it was a super memorable time and kind of nice that we didn't need luxurious. And actually, after a hot day, a cold shower was just fine. And, 
you know, you, you enjoy the other things that you don't need a luxurious room. And I would go back in a flash, but it was one of the simpler experiences I've had in the last couple of years, but definitely one of the most memorable and enjoyable. For sure. You know, and I think I totally agree. Copayam, like as you were describing those little square swinging things, I could picture it perfectly. Mm. And I brought my mom and dad there and my mom and dad love places like Copayam and like the little places there and all the food's amazing. So sometimes the destination makes it amazing too, but uh, sometimes people just do it right. And that whole area around there, like Ranong province in Thailand, I was going to mention one other one was that called Ra Eco Lodge. One time I stayed okay. at this place called the Ra Eco Lodge, and it's the only place to stay on that island. And I was the only guest at the only resort on the island. And I did a, a photo essay of selfies. I put my camera on a self timer, like my Canon camera, and I shot a series of selfies around the, the island and the beach and stuff for, for the whole day. And it was really fun. And then I brought my mom and dad back to that island like a year or so later, and me and my mom recreated or tried to recreate all the selfies that I took. Um, but there's a lot of cool islands and places to explore. Like I love that part of Thailand and that kind of Thai beach simplicity. Yeah, it can be really charming. Less was definitely more. So um, I see one on Bingen Beach here you have. Oh, yeah. I, I, I had a note there for Kelly's. There's a place called Kelly's Warung. It's on Bingen Beach, which is in Bali. So Bingen's one of the better places to surf but it's at the bottom of a cliff and there's other breaks. So Bingen's a good place to stay and surf. And, and I just sent him a message. I was going to go there for Kamai new year in April, but uh, yeah, they don't do rooms anymore. Cause there's a lot of places in Bali where there's like little simple rooms where you mentioned the hammock. It's just like super simple and a hammock, but like yeah. right on the beach looking at like some of the best surf in the world. So you just need a place to sleep and access to the surf. Well, the next one I had on here, I'm not so sure they're actually in business in the same form anymore. Uh, I think maybe you've been there, but it's on uh, the Tatai River in south kind of west Cambodia. You're probably about 30 minutes from the Thai border there, and it was called Four Rivers Floating Lodge. Have you ever stayed there, Trevor? I have never. Okay, so they suffered, I think, a big flood before COVID times that knocked out. They had these luxury tents, canvas tents, with proper beds and couches and bathrooms in them but they were on floating structures and they were along the Tai Tai river run by a really nice couple, Filipino and a Russian guy and personally run, you know, Lux kind of these tents, but you're just sitting on a beautiful river. Your, your balcony is allows you to just jump in and go swimming in a very nice, clean river, decent food at an okay price. Uh, beers are available. They had kayaks. You could just jump in and uh, paddle them around the river and so forth. I did a trip where they took us about 10, 15 K up river to a waterfall and paddled back. That was a really special place in a really special corner of the world, but they got hit by a flood. There was some sort of dam that was open and the floodwaters knocked it out. And then I just see searching for it now that I think it's going by a different name, canvas and orchids retreat, but it was a lovely part of the world, a lovely part of that country and just a really nice way to get away from it for a few days. Yeah, I never stayed there, so I can't speak to that. I know that the name did change, um, but just a couple other places here in Cambodia. I think we did an episode on tented camps, and if people go to our show notes, uh, we'll have a link to the episode that we did about tented camps. Big fan of those. There's the Cardamom Tented Camp, uh, which is in operations again now. That's in kind of the Kokong, like the southernmost part of Cambodia and V Kiriram, which is this other, like kind of more mid range, uh, tented camp up in the Kiriram mountains. 
Um, but what I wanted to mention was the Shintamani Wild, which is this kind of uber luxury tented camp. Wow, that was awesome for Shintamani Wild is similar to the wow that Soneva Kiri was for Beach, you know? But like, I think there needs to be an emphasis on the wild. Like while it is very luxurious and, and if you're a couple and one of you isn't into being in the jungle, you could still be very comfortable. It is very luxurious, but it's still in the jungle. And, you know, like that's kind of what you're looking for, perhaps if you go there. So from taking a zip line to getting to the, to the resort to actually going out with, national park rangers that are supported by the money that the hotel raises to go disable whip snares and try and bust poachers to protect the wildlife in the area villas right on this amazing river with like kind of like canopy like giant hammock nets that hang over the jungle and the, and the water and outdoor bathtubs it's it's beautiful and and it's and it's in such an amazing forest but again, like, you know, some people have complained that the insects were too loud or the river was too loud. <laughs> I remember some like kind of spoiled people not appreciating uh, some of the aspects of being in the jungle. So, it, the, you know, like at Sony of Akiri, you, you wouldn't necessarily have those problems. But I don't consider them problems here because at Shintamani, like I wanted to check out the swimming hole. So like while I was ziplining, I saw this spot on the river and I was like, oh, that would be like a cool place to swim. So they chopped the brush down with the machete and set up like this picnic for me. They floated across the river, like these three big like trunks that were filled with like beer and ice and wine and fresh juice and sandwiches. And yeah. And then my Butler was like, Hey, can I swim with you? And I'm like, yeah, this, this guy's cool. You know? So we're jumping in the river and then he climbs a tree above the river and there was a, a reticulated Python in the tree like coiled up above the water and it was just like wow. a juvenile one so it was probably only like eight feet or something like that you know but uh it was pretty cool to see that and and just the food was amazing and the service and the drinks and every, it's, it's pretty awesome yeah that's a bill bensley hotel too and for those that don't know bill bensley he's an american guy uh he and his husband have designed probably you know the top 50 hotels in Asia. And he designed that one. I'd love to go to that one. I'd also like to go to the cardamom tented camp. Sometime lets you and I go to the cardamom. That's in our mm. price bracket. I think we could afford that one, but that's uh, two really cool suggestions. I'm going to go to Chiang Rai, Thailand for my next one. And there's a lovely property up there called the Bu Chai Sai. And it is in Northwest of Chiang Rai city up in some mid range mountains, just south of uh, quite a famous mountain called Doi Tung, which has a rural reforestation project. But the owners built and ran it. They're quite high society types, but these are bamboo bungalows and every one of them is quite unique. It sits on a little hillside, gorgeous views on the valley below, good service. I mean, not incredible, but, but pretty darn good. They grow their own vegetables in a garden. We used to take our guests uh, back on my tour days there all the time. It was just a really nice place to enjoy nature, realize that you're in a very unique one-of-a-kind property and rooms. And now it's run by Jason Friedman, who was on episode 110 about great hotel experiences. So not only is it a great vibe, a great view, but it lends itself to just walking out the back door and going for hikes or going for a mountain bike ride or going for a road bike ride or a dirt bike uh, ride. So it kind of it encapsulates the whole area in many respects. So yeah, I've always really enjoyed that one. 
Yeah, you know, I've, I forgot to mention something that when I stayed at the Coat Rot Eco Lodge, that trip was memorable too, because that was in Tantalizing Travel Tales 1, maybe Tantalizing Travel Tales Ooh. 2, where I took that long tail boat and my boat driver got drunk and the boat got stranded by the low tide. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Just because I remember the next one I was going to mention, which was uh, my budget jungle option is the Rajan Jones, Rajan Jones, which is in uh, Bukit. Uh, Tasik Chini, Tasik Chini in central Malaysia. And I mentioned okay. Rajan Jones place also on one of our tantalizing travel tales. So if people want to hear the story of this place, uh, you know, check out the links on the show notes, but this is a place in the middle of the jungle back in 1996 that somebody on a bus told me to go check out. And when I showed up, it was like near sunset and I had ridden like I'd ridden some public bus for hours and then sat on the back of a motorbike with this big backpack on with all like camping gear and stuff for way too long. And, and then Rajan said how lucky I was that he had a room available because it was like deep <laughs> in the bush, man. And, uh, that was just a, such a memorable experience. And it was just a mattress on the, the floor that was concrete with corrugated steel walls around it and a mosquito net. But, uh, yeah, it was a really cool experience. It's a really interesting place. And I imagine that he's got much nicer rooms now. Like, what is this, like 25 years later, 30 years later? So I'd you like should to look online, see if he has a I site. Did, I did. I, when I did, when we did the Tantalizing Travel Tales episode, I, I went to the website and checked it out. So that's yeah, great. That was really You've cool. mentioned that one a few times. Yeah. Well, I'll blast through a few. I had a, a few more on the list than you. I took my wife and my parents probably four years ago to Minma, and we went to Inlay Lake and stayed at a really cool property called Sanctum Inlay Resort. Almost Spanish in design, but it sits right on the edge of Inlay Lake. Really nice white facade, well-appointed rooms. Light luxury, but not over the top. Uh, had a nice bar, had a really great patio looking out onto the lake for enjoying, having a drink. The food was really reasonably priced. And I realized that's something I like in a property that I don't like to feel like I'm getting gouged on food and booze. I'm happy to eat at a place and have lots of drinks. But when they just put exorbitant prices because it's a, no a, a nice hotel that gets me, but theirs wasn't... Uh, they had nice boat rental and driver service that we had take us out in the lake a couple times and lots of locals working there and it didn't feel pretentious. So it was perfect for kind of adult families. Have you ever been to Inlay? I've been to Inlay Lake. Um, again, that was back in like 2002. Oh, right. But uh, we stayed in some super simple right. something, I think. Yeah. And then my next two uh, have both been featured on, I don't remember which episode now, but 4,000 Islands and Wat Pu. And so I went to 4,000 Islands. I stayed at uh, Sala Don Con Hotel. They have a variety of rooms, but the one I stayed in is actually in the old, what I believe was the French governor's house. So it's kind of a concrete building with a room on each side of it. And it almost seemed like there was ghosts there, but in a good way, if that makes sense. Like you go in, <laughs> totally. it's a little dark, it's tiles. There's a ceiling fan, a mosquito net. It's big, but you feel like you're stepping back into like the early 1900s. And I think it had like 1908 or something above the door. So wasn't fancy, but every inch reeked of history. And then you could go to the little restaurant on the uh, Mekong River and watch River Life. But that hotel was, yeah, a, a little otherworldly, but neat. And on that same uh, trip, I stayed just a little north after that at a place called Dondang, uh, opposite Champasak at La Folie Lodge. And it is awesome. You take a little boat across the river. They have nice wooden rooms. Again, they're not luxurious, but comfortable, modern, 
nice fitted out with dark woods and very, very quiet. Nice little pool, nice little restaurant, reasonably priced again, menu and beers. But I really love that they had just village bicycles that you could take and ride around the island on almost sandy roads. And I only rode about 50% of it, but that was still a 14-kilometer ride in pouring rain. But it was a really nice property that accentuated the remote spot I was in and really spoke to the location. I don't think I stayed in La Foley Lodge because you're saying it was across the river, but the place that I did stay mm-hmm. at in Champasak was definitely memorable. Like again, because of the bikes and the town, but it was this old building and it was so charming. So like, I think you could probably just go to Champasak or Dondang and you pick one of these spots and, and have that really experience of being in that place. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned the historical kind of, feel of some the governor's house there we got a couple down lower that we both mentioned so i'll pick that up there so i i stayed at this hotel for maybe 12 hours i checked in just at suns <laughs> i checked in at, at like 6 p.m and i checked out at 6 a.m and so it's the most memorable 12 hours and i had to sleep for at least seven or eight of that right it's the dara devi in chiang mai have you been to the Dar Devi oh, Hotel? Oh, I've there? stayed there before. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's so the Oriental. It, I don't know that it is an Oriental now. I think it was then. But okay. Yeah. I mean, it's just this incredibly wealthy Thai man who collects things that are beautiful and historical and had basically built this Dar Devi, not even necessarily as a hotel, but like because his friends convinced him that he needed to like share these things that he owned. So like my villa had a piano. I had two jacuzzis. It's got like a outdoor swimming pool that goes to these rice fields and there's buffaloes and, and all the buffaloes and the rice fields are inside the resort, of course, you know, but the piano yeah. and the two jacuzzis in this villa was just beautiful. And then I went to the spa right around sunset or just after sunset, I think. And at the spa, they have this Burmese temple it's like a temple there's a buddha image yeah. in there and and inside the i'm sitting inside the temple and i'm just at peace and looking at this beautiful the 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 buddha image i don't remember how large it is maybe two meters maybe larger it's large you know and i think it was like 900 years old or 800 years old and i remember like waking up to the fact that i was in a hotel like i was it was so peaceful and that, that you know the history of such an image and in a place of such peace like it was amazing and then i left i don't even think i had breakfast there but it it was so cool like everything was these antiques that he owned that was the piano that was all the things in all the places i'm pretty sure it's almost like a northern thai lana disneyland because they've built all the buildings to look old lana style it is quite an incredible place you had put city hotels on here and we didn't think we had many and then I just started thinking of memorable again. And two memorable experiences in cities have been staying at capsule hotels. Once the first time was in Hiroshima and the other time in Kyoto. And most people have probably heard of capsule hotels. And the reason they're so popular in Japan is that salarymen or workers, if they're out late getting drunk, the trains tend to stop about midnight. And then a taxi ride home would be too expensive. It's actually more affordable to stay in a capsule hotel. So the one I stayed at in Hiroshima was awesome. You check in and you paid, I paid about $30 US and then women go to one floor, men to another. And they had these little lockers 
they seemed very puzzled why we had suitcases because people don't roll it with suitcases, but <laughs> they stored them it, for us. Sleep in it. Yeah, I guess they, they, they put it, you know, in their office. Yeah. But then you just kind of change and shower. And this one had an onsen. So it had a massive nice. onsen full of hot pools, cool pools. It had showers that would blast from the ceiling and the walls down on you. And a room where you smacked rock salt on yourself. And then from there, you could put your robe on and go to like a lounge with these incredible lazy boy chairs with speakers next to your ears. And you could order some beer and have a bowl of noodles. And yeah, that was a really great experience. And then I took my wife to one in Kyoto, which wasn't nearly as cool, but it still was cool. And that, you know, you just have put your bag outside your little capsule and there's a TV in the ceiling. So when you're laying down, you look at the ceiling and there's a TV. There's a couple porn channels. Usually it is Japan, you know, and my wife loved the corn soup machine that was free in the lobby that I thought was disgusting. But I thought, you know, if you're in Japan in a big city, you got to spend at least one night at a capsule hotel. I think it is such a prime experience. Yeah, you know, I've never done that. Um, I've stayed in some airport hotels that were pretty small, but never like a capsule hotel. And I, I was trying to think of like some great Japan hotel experience I had. And I've always found pretty good hotels. I stayed in an Oakwood some t one time for, for reasonable. And everything is kind of super small there. But I couldn't think of like a great city hotel until I thought of when I went to the Venetian. And the Venetian isn't necessarily, this is in, in Macau. Yeah. So the Venetian in Macau, okay. I think it was the world's largest building at one point. Yeah. It certainly oh, wow. was the world's largest hotel, but I think it was the world's largest building when it opened. Because I think of like spectacular city views and stuff. And I guess now it probably has more of a view with, with that area developing. But I went up there. I needed to do like a visa run or I didn't like doing those 90 day check ins with the Thai police. So I would travel on Air Asia for visa runs. And once I pitched a story to the Hon Honolulu advertiser, because like a lot of Hawaiian people live in Las Vegas and they like to gamble. And I thought the advertiser for uh, the right. travel section would like a story about the Macau, you know? And so the Venetian, because they hook everybody up, right? So they hooked me up with a, with a nice room and I got to spend a while at the Venetian Hotel. And that was amazing. Again, it's like the world's largest building at the time. And they had a brew pub. They have like Cirque du Soleil. The police were playing in like a, a week or two. They were having a heavyweight title fight like a couple weeks later. They actually offered to let me mm. stay for like two weeks. They're like, stay until the police concert and you can go see the police play. And I'm like, I can't stay in oh. Macau for two weeks. You know, like <laughs> I had a job and stuff. Yeah. Um but it was amazing that they had that and could do that. And the coolest thing, maybe, well, I mean, since I didn't go see the police, they took me on a tour of the hotel and they took me to one of the whale suites. So a whale is a person who gambles at least a million dollars while at the casino on a visit. And so okay. if you're a whale, they give you a free suite. Yeah. They give you all sorts of free whatever. Yeah. But the suite was just amazing because like there was a outdoor terrace kind of area with a pool and like uh, there was a gym, like a fitness center. There was a, a spa, like a beauty salon, like every part of the room was like its own hotel almost because like if you whatever you needed, they could hook it up for you there in the whale suite. So I thought that wow, was pretty cool. dope. Yeah. Um, otherwise, it was definitely easy to get lost. That place is massive. That sounds pretty cool. I've been to Macau and I ate at a casino with my dad at the end of our Trans-Siberian train ride, but I don't remember which one. 
Well, my next one is in a capital city, Yangon, or it was the capital city of Myanmar. And it was a place I stayed at called the Governor's Residence. It's gone through all kinds of renamings. It's had all kinds of different companies own it. I, I remember being smallish, but actually made of wood and looks colonial. And I believe it actually was a governor's residence at one time. So it had that real colonial build and feel pretty exclusive. It was easy to imagine an Orwell novel. It really reeked a history, not all good, but that was a, a pretty cool place to stay. I'll say a footnote is I think it is owned by high ups in the government. So it's one of those properties that you might not want to stay at, but I can't be 100% sure about that, but it was a pretty memorable experience. How about you? You stayed there as well? Oh my God, no. I just thought of something though. When when I was reading the outline and you mentioned this governor's residence, I thought of the governor's residence in uh, Terre Rouge in Banlung in uh, Ratnakiri province in Cambodia. Just because again, it's got those you know wooden floors, oh, okay. this old wooden house. I believe it was an, a former governor's residence. And you mentioned earlier about like, it's haunted, but maybe in a good way, you know? Like I, you totally get that feel yeah. there. It's, it's so kind of spooky and oh, old wow. world luxury and haunted at the same time. But then I just remembered the best hotel for that kind of experience. It's the Hotel Tugu in Bali. There's okay. a Hotel Tugu in Bali and they only have like 12 rooms maybe. And each of the rooms is like some sort of historic, my room, there's some famous author who had lived in Bali and like his writing desk is like in my suite. So this is like, say again, some Uber luxury place where they trust their guests, I guess, with antiques and in, in the rooms, you know, but Again, like it's so historical and it feels so like old world and new world at the same time. Like they do a performance on the beach there. Like when you go to visit Bali, oftentimes you'll see like religious dance performances. At the Tugu, I met this, uh, this man from New Zealand and his wife and, and they perform in certain places and the Tugu is one of them where they use like this hundred year old gamelang, which is like an orchestra of all of these mu musical instruments. They're playing like the earliest ever recordings of, of gamelang music. So it's like the most authentic old equipment with the most authentic old songs and recreating dances. His wife is a dancer to do these dances on the beach with these big bonfires going and you're staying in these rooms that are like monuments to these famous people that wrote about the, the beauty and amazing culture of Bali. So the two gets a shout out for last minute memory. Remember, cause that place is, is awesome. That sounds fantastic. That really, really cool. As did the place in Ratchanakiri where I've never been. Mm. Well, my last one, I first got exposed to, probably 13, 14 years ago. And it's called the Dwarakas Hotel in Kathmandu. There is simply no hotel I've been in before that felt more authentic, like the destination, than stepping through the doors of this place. Like you go through these big wooden doors, kind of down long hallways with big opening courtyards and incredible furniture. And you feel like you are in a Nepalese Himalayan kingdom. Like every decoration, every touch is exactly where you are. People are in traditional dress. There's big courtyards to walk through. There's a pool, but it's too cold. Uh, servers in traditional dress, incredible wooden window frames that are hand-carved, superb staff, pillows, incredible decorations in the room, exquisite rooms. And we used it on our trips. And boy, at the time, it was only something like $200 a night. It's gone up since then, but it was just so much Kathmandu, Nepali, Himalayan kingdom 
truly awesome. If you're there and you can afford a, a couple nights, definitely, definitely do it. Right on. Hey, so let's close with a couple of bucket list hotels. Because when I was okay. trying to think and I was looking around, I was like, you know, I've never stayed at that Gibbon Experience treehouse up there in northern Laos where you zip line between the different ah, yeah. rooms and restaurant and stuff like that. That's always sounded so awesome. Like it's been there forever and I've never been. Yeah, I've heard good things about it. And you can literally stay in a treehouse and sort of zip line to your room and stuff, right? Yeah, that's what I understand. It looks pretty crazy. How about you? Any other ones you've, you'd like to stay in? Uh, yeah, I don't know. And I mean, there's so many amazing hotels out there. You know, I kind of like that ty type of experience, like staying in a hotel or you, know, you mentioned the Four Rivers before. And I don't know about that location, but like, uh, I like the idea of like a floating room, you know, or live aboard, cool. man, like, you know, surf trips or something like that. That'd be cool. Or I've never been on a cruise really. And I don't know. I've done some river cruises and stuff, but uh, maybe some kind of luxury seaplane or something. <laughs> Does that count as a hotel? I could get into one of those really nice river cruises in Southeast Asia, like a, you know, 10 day one in Myanmar or something. I didn't really yeah, make a Amazon. list of hotels I've dreamed about, but uh, I'd like to end with a list of little touches that show a hotel cares, right? We were kind of talking about at the beginning. So good coffee. Co the cost of coffee is low. It just takes a bit of effort and love for good coffee. Um, a decent breakfast. I always amazed when a place will serve you like cold white toast, a couple hot dogs, and and that's it, and a cup of Nescafe, and then think I'm going to try lunch or dinner. Like if that's what you serve me for breakfast, there's no way I need it. A water refill station. I'm always amazed at hotels in the tropics here that'll give each person like one half liter bottle of water. Like you got to keep people hydrated and feeling good. They'll spend more at your hotel. You won't be sick. So places that have like a big bottle where you can refill your own water. I really, really like that. Places that don't let guests, and this is tough to please, but reserve beach chairs all day. You know, people run out before breakfast, throw their towels and a book on a chair, and then it's like theirs all day and there's not enough. So I like places that combat that. I also really like. I've only encountered a couple that do this and I'm surprised more don't do it, but a little sheet of, you know, a local walk, like, Hey, you want to walk three K or you want to jog 10? Here's where to go outside the hotel or here's little neat things to see around the hotel. I like that bar soap. I hate it when all you get is this little liquid soap. And like when I wash my hands or have a shower, I want a bar of soap. So I like a proper bar of soap. Another one you get in this part of the world, simple hotels will be, you have a key card to keep the power on in your room. And a badly designed room, when you take the key card out, the power to the refrigerator also goes off. And you come back hours later and your yogurt's warm and whatnot. That really, really sucks. I also think a welcome drink of your choice. I've been to a few hotels. You know, instead of bringing you some horrible, fruity, weird drink, they say, ah, oh, what kind of drink would you like? And maybe you want a coffee at one time, or maybe you want a gin and tonic. But that is a great one. You've had that before? Yeah, I wanted to jump in there. Uh, the welcome drink is is huge, I think, you know, it's like first impression. And even I remember one time I saw this woman and she like helps people launch bars and restaurants. And she was talking about like, since scent is so important to memory, that the first smell that your guests have is the most important thing. And so you need to like create the right smell in your entryway so that you make the right impression hmm. on your guest. But that but that drink can often do that. And it has like aroma, a lot of 
time. So, you know, it's funny because uh, when I worked for the two magazine in Bangkok and I'll put links to this too, we used to do an article for our website called the robe report, which is kind of like a, a pun, but the robe report was based on uh, the hotel robe. So we did, I'm actually wearing a robe right now, which is great. But like if, if this robe was, offered as the robe in a hotel it would make a huge impression on me you get like the waffle robes like eh, you know you're not even like trying to make your guests comfortable so i think like hotels that have nice robes hotels that give nice uh, welcome drinks if you check out the links to to our robe report websites you can see all of the criteria for what we considered like appropriate hotel atmosphere and where and where you were not allowed to wear your robe around the resort that is that is Let's a go. really cool thing. I'm going to share <laughs> yeah. a couple other ones that I think are petty and weird. I've stayed at lots of hotels in Asia where they have a price list in the room of every single item in the room. And I always wonder, like, who's stealing this <laughs> yeah. much stuff? Pillow like, it'll case. have a price for the ashtray, for the lamp, for the pillow. You're like, yeah. wow. Waste like, bin. every single thing. I also think breakfast vouchers are dumb. Like, giving people little pieces of paper for each day to bring down to breakfast. Like, come on. Another one I've encountered is someone will take the time to put fresh coffee in your room. So they'll have some sort of device, a French press or something where you can make real coffee, but then they don't have like at least UHT milk. They only have coffee mate or something. And I always feel like, ah, oh, come on, you've gone to the trouble to give me the things to make great coffee. And then you give me only coffee mate. Uh, but on the positive note, a range of pillows, not 10, but like a couple different hard or soft ones the, the pillow menu is cool. memorable yes and the beach bag i see your next thing like if at a beach hotel yeah and, an and a beach hat like if they have or oh. sunblock even i like places that have like sunblock available like mm -hmm. in dispensers at like the pool or by the beach you know especially if they give you a good one like it's kind of nice to have sunblock handy at the pool or by the beach on that note, I really like places that have somewhere to wash sand off your feet before your room, like a little tiny water bath that you step down into to get all the sand off or a little bum gun hose. Like that's a really nice thing before you go in your room, keeps it cleaner. And uh, one at the Evison Hotel, which is no longer there by Hui Hin, I remember this now for like a dozen years, sitting around the pool and one of the lifeguards just came around a couple times a day and uh, cleaned sunglasses. And it's so mint, <laughs> just a, something that cost him no money, but it was really great. Wow, we have an epic list. This has turned into a big episode. Probably does deserve a second one, uh, maybe next year. Yeah, just because like remembering the Tugu at the last minute. I mean, there's definitely like so many hotel amazing experiences. And maybe next time we'll throw in a couple of bad ones because it's funny. I I used to go, let's say, back to Kosamui like every year for like 10 years and sometimes repeatedly to like review hotels. And, and sometimes like you'd give a bad hotel, like two or three chances. And like, they're still like so bad. Like it's, it's so it stands out in your memory forever and must be shared just because some things are so silly, but no, otherwise staying in a, in a hotel can make your, your experience. You know, sometimes you're just looking for like a clean room, like a capsule room, and you just want some place that your stuff can be safe and you can get a good night's sleep and you can explore the destination that you're going to check out. And sometimes if you're going to the Maldives, it's all about how awesome your overwater bungalow is, you know? So yeah, what makes it memorable? Yeah. Sometimes it's the best coffee. Sometimes it's a, a snake in, in your bed. I don't know. <laughs> I like your idea of talking about some 
you know, memorable for the wrong reason hotels. So we'll do that. If you're listening and you enjoy the show, please just give us one of those five-star reviews. Say a few nice things, help spread the word. And as Trevor mentioned at the beginning, help support us financially to keep this going. Go to patreon.com, search Talk Travel Asia, or click donate on our webpage and support the show from a couple bucks a month upwards. And we have something special for you between each of these regular episodes. Also go to the show notes. We're going to have links to most of these hotels we talked about, little Google map thanks for listening trevor any parting words no man i hope everybody gets to travel soon and uh finds a good hotel maybe next time we could talk about how we picked some of these places how did we discover them you know but uh otherwise yeah uh, check out our show notes uh, click on some of the links and uh you know you'll find some good stuff there so thanks for listening and uh thanks scott we'll see you in two weeks thanks for joining us on talk travel asia we look forward to sharing with you again soon Hey Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom in Cambodia?